Chapter 16 of The Year When Stardust Fell This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Year When Stardust Fell by raymond f jones chapter sixteen black victory the spearhead of the nomad infantry attack broke through between two lightly manned guard posts whose garrisons fled in retreat with a few ineffective shots the column came through in a widening wedge as it met more defenders it fell back but it appeared to the nomads that the whole defense line had crumpled or had been diverted to the south as anticipated they poured along main street in the faint dawnlight until they reached twelfth avenue there they split and fanned along twelfth east and west it was their strategy obviously to occupy and seal off this large northern sector of the town which amounted to one quarter of its total area and cut across a large portion of the business section they would solidify their position here destroy all opposition then move to still another sector until they were in command of the entire town it was a strategy that would work unless everything mayfield possessed were thrown against it ken thought he saw now why twelfth avenue had been chosen as the line of attack the defenders were entrenched there and were offering forceful opposition he looked for a moment to the south again the defenses there were light yet the charge of the mounted nomads had to be contained or they would drive all the way to the center of town burning and killing as they went if they succeeded in joining with the infantry they would have split mayfield's defenses in two johnson had mounted his best men using the captured nomad horses as well as the town's own desperately this small force was trying to contain and exterminate the fierce riding enemy picked sharpshooters had been carefully stationed with the best rifles available although the gunfire was not heavy ken could see johnson's men were taking a heavy toll of the invader in the north the lines of fixed battle had now been established the nomads had drawn back to positions of cover in the empty houses facing twelfth their flanks were more mobile fighting for advantage along streets parallel to main but some blocks away on either side and extending all the way back to the point of breakthrough while he surveyed the scene from the roof ken watched the stealthy movement of defenders moving behind the main line to try to surround the enemy 
that was the strategy of the defense and the gamble on which their entire fate hung if they succeeded they would have the breach closed leaving no retreat for the surrounded invader the comet slowly appeared illuminating the scene of battle as if it lay upon some other planet the day was clear so far but a band of stratus hung low over the western hills it would probably be snowing by nightfall ken thought through the glasses he recognized the leader of a small patrol that was moving east on eighteenth avenue it was tom wiley the barber his men were mostly students from the college they were trying to gain a house farther up the block to provide a covering point from which a general advance of the line on both sides of them could hinge tom could not see that an imposing patrol had him under observation he led his men into the open to cross the street ken wanted to shout for him to go back but it was impossible to be heard at such a distance the enemy patrol moved out slightly they centered tom and his men in a murderous burst of rifle fire the barber fell two of the others were hit but they managed to reach cover with the rest of their companions the body of tom wiley lay motionless where it fell in the snow-covered street ken could see the sign just a block away that read wiley's barber and beauty shop from where ken stood the sign which jutted out over the sidewalk seemed to project just above the body of the fallen barber ken hesitated in his resolve to go down there in the midst of the fighting he thought of johnson's words and hilliard's orders would the defense strategy succeed the nomads were trained and toughened by their weeks of fight for survival but mayfield's men were only weakened by their strained effort to keep the town alive on the eastern side of the encirclement a burst of smoke with a core of orange flame at its center spurted upward from a house this was followed by a second and a third and a fourth defending fighters ran from the rear of the burning houses to the row beyond behind the screen of billowing smoke the nomads crept forward to repeat their tactics and fire the houses where the defenders now had cover it was obvious they recognized the danger of encirclement by forces stronger than any they had anticipated they were making a desperate effort to straighten their lines parallel to the barbed wire with their flanks and rear clear of threat ken watched the success of their second incendiary thrust they could go on indefinitely unless the defenders succeeded in flanking them that was being attempted now the defenders moved under the cover of the smoke screen to fire on the advancing nomads the latter recognized their danger 
and held to solid cover of houses adjacent to those they had fired north of this bulge however another column was forming and ken saw in sudden horror that it was headed directly toward the warehouse a house only a half block from the warehouse burst into flame there was a flurry of activity from the defenders as they too recognized the fresh danger and brought up reinforcements before the threatened warehouse this added resistance seemed to inflame the determination of the nomads they answered with increased fire sharply another incendiary ignited a wooden building a step nearer the warehouse the defenders tried to flank the threatening column but the latter ran between a row of burning houses along an alleyway firing additional incendiaries as they went then sudden flame burst against the wooden walls of the old skating rink and licked with red fury along its painted surface in moments the warehouse was bathed on all sides in seething flame and the nomad column spread beyond it unaware of the mortal damage they had done ken turned away he walked slowly and decisively down the stairs he told his father what had just happened i'm going out there dad he said they're going to wipe us out or destroy every chance we'll have to survive even if we drive them off half of our food supply is gone now what chance have we got even if we kill every nomad in the valley ken's father turned to a closet and drew out a thirty aught six from a hook he took down a hunter's jacket its pockets were loaded with shells and he had an extra box he gave to ken johnson left this here he said he intended it for our use if the nomads reached this far i think maybe it had better be used before the medical center needs defending ken's eyes lighted with gratefulness thanks dad he said i'm glad you're willing i don't know if i'm willing or not however i think i agree with you that there's nothing else to be done ken ran from the building clutching the solid reassuring weight of the rifle in his hand his coat pockets and the hunting jacket were weighted heavily with the supply of ammunition there was a feeling of security in the weapons and the shells but he knew it was a short-lived deceptive security he went to eighth street and turned north which would bring him close to the burned warehouse he could see the immense rolling column of black smoke and hear the bursting crackle of its flames the whole town could go he thought if the fire became hot enough it would spread from building to building regardless of the snow cover he glanced at the sky and hoped the snow might soon resume from the rooftop that it seemed to ken 
that the small units of the defenders were almost leaderless and there was lack of coordination between them he came up in their rear ranks and confirmed this suspicion they seemed to be depending as best they could on unanimous and intuitive agreement about a course of action what had happened to their surgeons and lieutenants ken did not know perhaps in their haste of organization they never had been any there was top-level command of course as appointed by sheriff johnson for the entire sector but it did not extend to the lower levels to any degree ken could see the men paid no attention as ken joined them he knew a few of the dozen nearby but they seemed to regard him as a total stranger the shock of battle was in their eyes and they seemed wholly unaware of anything in the world except the desperate necessity to find cover and to destroy the invader ken followed them into the shelter of a house flanking the still advancing incendiaries he crouched at a window with an older man whom he did not know and leveled his rifle through an opening a pair of figures appeared momentarily at the edge of a smoking cloud the older man jerked his gun and fired frantically and ineffectively slow ken cried aim before you shoot the man glanced at him in a kind of daze ken sighted patiently and carefully the smoke cloud parted once again and he squeezed the trigger one of the figures dropped and the smoke cloud closed down again ken's calmness seemed to penetrate his companion who leaned back for a moment to wave a shaking hand across his sweat-stained face i've never done anything like this before he murmured helplessly none of us have said ken but we've got to do it now watch it we're drawing their fire bullets shattered the window casing above and beside them across the room a man crumpled ken risked a glance through the window we've got to get out he exclaimed they're going to rush the house it might have been possible to hold if he knew what cover and reinforcements they had in the adjacent houses but as far as he could tell the small twelve-man patrol might be entirely alone in the area suddenly it all seemed utterly hopeless without communication without leadership how could they hope to withstand let's go he cried the others seemed willing to follow him as they went through the back he saw that the next house had indeed been occupied but they too were retreating not knowing what strength was near a new line of defenders was moving up from halfway down the block ken held back to shout to the other patrol and to those coming let's stand in the next street there were shouts of assent from down the line and they moved to the shelter of the empty houses 
they were close to the edge of town near the barbed wire barricade and the nomads would obviously make their biggest effort here to wipe out the forces that threatened to close them off his own group ken saw would also have to make their stand here or risk being pocketed by the uncoiling line of nomads don't let them get close enough to fire the buildings he shouted down the line the word was passed along with agreement they broke into small patrols and occupied the houses ken joining one that took over the top floor of a two-story house this gave them the advantage of good observation but the added danger of difficult escape in case the house was set on fire its walls were brick however and offered a good chance of being held within minutes the nomads had occupied the houses just abandoned ken fired rapidly and carefully as he saw them exposed momentarily in their move to new positions his marksmanship had a telling effect on the enemy and encouraged his companions as soon as the nomads had obtained cover however it was a stalemate it was mid-morning already and ken wondered how it had grown so late for an hour or two they exchanged shots with the enemy twice attempts were made to hurl firebombs both were driven back beyond this however the nomads seemed in no mood to make further attack they were waiting for darkness ken thought and then they would advance with their firebombs and grenades and have free choice of battle setting if that happened mayfield might be a huge inferno by midnight they had to see the initiative from the invaders he called his companions and told them how it looked they agreed what can we do a tired middle-aged man asked we've got to take the initiative before they come at us again ken glanced at the sky within an hour it may be snowing hard that will make it more difficult to hit a target when daylight is almost gone we'll attack them instead of waiting for them to come after us it can be done if we hit hard and fast enough we'll lose some men but not as many as if we wait and let them pick us off with their grenades and incendiaries as they feel like it the men considered it dubiously we've got a better chance to hit them as they break from cover someone suggested not after dark and that's what they're waiting for they'll burn our houses and drive us back all night long if we give them the chance we must not give it to them reluctant knobs of agreement came from his group the way you put it i guess it's the only chance we've got the former objector agreed i'll talk with the other groups ken said he moved down the stairs and out the back door of the house the space between the two houses was entirely open 
he flung himself down and crawled twice he heard the whine of bullets above his head after heating argument the group in the next house agreed to the plan to rush the invaders he moved down down the block regretting his own lack of authority that made it necessary for him to have to plead for cooperation he wondered what was happening in the rest of the town there had been gunfire all day but it seemed incredible there had been no communication from any other sector or any evidence of command no one he talked to had any idea what had happened to their command there had been some in the beginning but it had simply seemed to vanish Ken's pleading for cooperation in an attack was the nearest thing to leadership they had seen for hours the snow was swirling hard and the sun was almost beyond the hills what little of it was visible in the clouds it was getting as dark as he dared allow before giving the signal for attack but there was one more group to contact he debated and decided to go to them then as he entered the rear of the house he heard the cries of alarm from those houses he had been to the invaders were breaking out for an incendiary attack he seized his gun and fired the signal for their own advance he ran into the street shouting for the others to follow the nomads were concentrating their fire charge at the other end of the row of houses and there the defenders fell back without an attempt to advance like watching a wave turned back by a rocky shore ken saw his companions fleeing in disorderly retreat through the rear of the houses to the block beyond a bullet whizzed by his head he dropped to the ground and crawled on his stomach to the safety of cover behind a brick house for a long time he lay in the snow unmoving he could not hold back the sobbing despair that shook him he had never before known what it was like to be utterly alone mayfield was dying and taking away everything that was his own personal world he had listened to news of the destruction of chicago and of berkeley without knowing what it really meant now he knew for all he knew the nomads might even now be in control of the major part of the town he could not know what had happened to his father to maria or anyone the crackling of flames in the next house aroused him he crawled inside the brick house which was still safe for a moment of rest he knew he should be fleeing with the others but he had to rest he heard sporadic shooting a few nomads were straggling after their companions at the other end of the street it was too far to shoot however one nomad stopped and swung cautiously under the very windows of the burning house next door ken leveled his rifle and fired 
the bullet caught the man in the shoulder and flung him violently against the wall ken saw that he would be buried by the imminent flaming collapse of that wall the man saw it too he struggled frantically to move out of the way but he seemed injured beyond the power to get away ken regarded him in a kind of stupor for a moment the man out there was responsible for all this he thought for the burning and for the killing he swung his rifle over his shoulder and went out brands were falling upon the wounded enemy ken hoisted the man under the arms and dragged him to the opposite side of the adjacent house the nomad looked at ken with a strange fury in his eyes you're crazy he said painfully you're the one who shot me ken nodded you'll be cut off well it won't matter much anyway by tomorrow your town will be burned and dead soon we'll all be dead ken kneeled on the ground beside him as if before some object from a foreign land what were you he asked before i mean the man coughed heavily and blood covered his mouth and thick growth of beard the bullet must be in his lungs ken thought he helped wipe away the blood and brushed the man's mouth with a handful of snow you're crazy the no-man said again i guess we're all crazy you're just a kid aren't you you want to know what i was a million years ago before all this yes ken said the man attempted a smile gas station wasn't that a crazy thing no need of gas when all the cars quit i owned one of the best little corners in marysvale why are you with them ken nodded in the darkness toward the distant attackers the man glared twisting with the pain then his glance softened you'd have done it too what else was there i had a wife two kids no food within a hundred miles after we used what was in our own pantry and robbed what we could from the supermarket downtown we all got together and went after some we got bigger as we went along we needed men who were good with rifles we found some we kept going people who had food fought to keep it we fought to take it that's the way it had to be we heard about your town with its big hoard of food we decided to get it did you know you burned half of it this morning no that's tough that's tough all the way around don't look at me that way kid you would have done the same we're all the same as you only we didn't live where there was plenty of food on hand we were all decent guys before me those guys out in the street that you knocked off i guess you're decent too where's your family now twenty miles down the valley waiting with the rest of the women and children for us to bring them food 
Ken rose slowly to his feet. The man was bleeding heavily from the mouth. His words were growing muffled. What are you going to do? he asked. Get on with has to be done, said Ken wearily. He felt sure he must be walking in a nightmare, and in just a little while he would awaken. If there's a chance, I'll try to send somebody after you. Never mind me, the nomad said with sudden fearness. I'm done for. You've finished me. If our outfit should be unlucky enough to lose, see my wife and try to do something for my kids. Get some food to them. Tom Doyle's the name, the man said. A fit of coughing seized him again, and blood poured from his mouth. His eyes were closed when he lay back again. Tom Doyle's the name, his bloody lips murmured. Don't forget that, kid. Tom Doyle's service, corner of First and Green, in Marysvale. We were all good guys once. The snow was so heavy it seemed like a solid substance through which Ken walked. In spite of it, row upon row of houses burned with a fury that lit the whole scene with a glow that was like the comet's own. Above this, the blanket of black smoke lay as if ready to smother the valley as soon as the light was gone. Ken didn't know for sure where he was going. A kind of aimlessness crept over him, and there no longer seemed any rational objective toward which to move. He crept on from house to house in the direction his group had gone, but he could not find any of them. Somewhere he touched the edge of combat again. He had a nightmare of going into a thousand houses, smashing their windows out, thrusting his rifle through for a desperate shot at some fleeing enemy. The night was held back by a hundred terrible fires. He shot at shadows and ghosts that moved against the flames. He sought the companionship of others who fought, like himself, in a lonely vastness where only the sound of fire and gunshots prevailed. Later he moved through the streets, stricken with cold that he could not lose even when he passed and stood close to a mass of burning rubble. He had stopped shooting quite a long time ago, and he guessed he was out of bullets. The next time he met someone, he thought, he would ask them to look in his pockets and see if any were left. He kept walking. He passed streets where the black charcoal arms of the skeletons of houses raised to the sky. He passed the hot columns of smoke and continued to shiver with cold as they steamed upward to the clouds. He passed others, but no one spoke. After a while, he threw his gun away because it was too heavy to carry and he was too tired to walk any more. The falling snow was covering the ruins with a blanket of kind obscurity. 
Ken kneeled down and was surprised to observe that he wasn't cold anymore. He lay full length in the whiteness, cradling his head on his arms, and peace and stillness such as he had never known before closed over him. It seemed an eternity later that there was a voice capable of rousing him, a familiar voice calling out in anguish, Ken, Ken, this is your dad. He responded, although it was like answering in a dream. Take care of them, dad, he said. Don't let anything happen to them. A woman and two children. Tom Doyle's the name. Don't forget that. Tom Doyle. End of chapter 16